Lizzie. And I'm Hazel. And we're Carrot and Stick. A writing podcast that's all about trying out weird writing advice on the internet and seeing if it actually helps us fight writer's block. This week, we tried out a technique that people would know from outside of writing as well, and it's called the Pomodoro Technique. Basically, it involves doing a task for 25 minutes and setting a timer so that you are held accountable to the task. And then after the timer goes off 25 minutes into it, you will have to take a five-minute break. Then you basically just keep doing these Pomodoros until you get everything you need to get done done. Lizzie, I always love how militant you sound when you describe the challenges. (laughs) (laughs) So your goal last week was to edit the rest of your novel, the whole rest. Did you succeed at this? I did it, you guys. I did it. I edited 60,000 words and it was a lot, but somehow I managed it mostly through just not doing very much like fun social stuff during the week, but that was fine. I still slept like seven hours and ate food. So yeah. Yeah. You're basically like a living human. I know, right? Isn't that surprising? (laughs) Honestly, though, I'm going to give Pomodoros a lot of credit for that. Because usually it feels just such like an impossible task to make it through that many chapters of writing. But instead, it was like, just make it through 25 minutes of whatever you get done in 25 minutes. And that made it really easy to get through a lot of work. So then how many words did that translate into? I covered 60,000 words, which was 25 Pomodoros, which I guess would be about 12 and a half hours worth of work. Dang. So I sound really underwhelmed right now. Uh, dear listeners, but what's actually happening is when Lizzie told me about this the first time, I freaked out and congratulated her. And that's why I sound a little less high energy, but I'm actually very happy for her. I'm a good supportive friend. Okay. That's okay. I mostly sound high energy though, because I've had like three cups of coffee today, partially to deal with the fact that I'm pretty tired after doing this for a week. So yeah. How many words did you write and how many Pomodoros did you complete? I feel like we should also mention that we had kind of a competition between the two of us to see who could do more Pomodoros. I'm the one who started that competition, actually. (laughs) I was the one who said, okay, we're doing a Pomodoro fight now. We're doing a Pomodoro contest. And then I proceeded to lose that contest horribly. (laughs) So I wrote 2,000 words and I did, what, like four or five Pomodoros? It was still, I think it was a really good idea, though, because it definitely motivated me to start doing Pomodoros like the very first day, the first opportunity I got. Yeah, I did them the first opportunity I got, too. And then I lost those opportunities. But yeah, we'll get we'll get back into that. But um, I did uh, 2000 words of that fanfic I was working on. Did you also do the standalone scene that you set out to do last week? Well, no, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my goal for this week. Yay! (laughs) So did you think that Pomodoros overall were a success? So despite my failure to keep up with your incredible Pomodoro pace, yes, I do think that they were a success. Um, The ones that I did get to squeeze in, I really enjoyed. Just like you, I started the day that we started the new challenge, and I was really excited to do them. It's like not something that I can see someone wanting to do every single time they write. Like, it'll probably just make the task of writing. Ah, you got me saying task too. It'll probably just make the act of writing seem a lot more like structured and forced if you did it consistently. But it's really good for writing like in a cafe when you have limited time or when you just want to squeeze in some writing in the evenings. And it just makes it feel really good to finish a Pomodoro even though you've only been writing for 25 minutes. That's true. I also felt like there was something that was so much better about saying I'm going to do two more Pomodoros instead of saying I'm going to work for the next hour. Like something about that. It sounds like you're doing something more fun and proactive by like doing a Pomodoro than being like, ugh, for the next hour, I'm going to chain myself to my desk, even though I don't want to. I started calling them tomatoes. So I would say like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go home, do some tomatoes. I'm going to squish some tomatoes. (laughs) Gonna crush a tomato. (laughs) 
But I did wonder, because I wasn't writing anything from scratch, I was just editing, I was curious if it wouldn't feel too um, constrictive for actually writing or creating from scratch. Because it seems like if you're really in the zone with creating something, it seems kind of terrible to force yourself to get out of that. I did have that experience, actually, where I'd be just on a roll and all of a sudden the timer would go off and I'd think, like, I don't really want to take a break now, but I guess that's the challenge and, like, five minutes won't hurt, really. But I didn't want to kind of change my mental state to doing something else, like listening to music or checking texts. So I would end up just kind of staring blankly at the wall and (laughs) spacing out for a bit, which probably isn't the intention of the breaks, but it was good that I was on a roll in the first place. That's true. Also, I definitely thought of the breaks as being like rests. And I feel like looking at the wall and doing nothing kind of is a great rest. If you've been, you know, staring for a long time at a bunch of words. That's true. You know, yeah, I I did like how the Pomodoros made me feel like taking breaks were a good and positive thing. Like rather than feeling like I was procrastinating, for example, if I were to go check Facebook for five minutes, I felt like I'm doing the Pomodoro. I'm doing what I should be doing right now. Mm-hmm. You're doing things right. It's out, it's, it's out of my hands. Yeah. Like I, I can pat myself on the shoulder for taking this five minute break instead of the guilt, like slowly seeping into me, which you can tell is how I stay productive. There's a lot of self guilting, which I'm not saying is good. It, it gets things done. But I liked the fact that I did feel more refreshed when I didn't feel guilty about taking five minutes. But I did feel like I had to know what I was going to do for those five minutes ahead of time. Because if the timer just went off, and I didn't know what I was going to do for five minutes, I would just be like, I don't know. Like, I felt like I had to think while I was doing the actual work part of the Pomodoro, like, right, when that goes off, I'm going to go get a snack, or I'm going to go read five minutes of this comic book. And I had to plan my breaks, kind of. On that note, the Pomodoro breaks that I noticed were most successful were the ones where I really had to pee while I was writing, but I was like, I'll pee in my this break. Oh, where I thought that was going. <laughs> it's true, though. Like, I'd be working on something and I'd be like, I really got to go to the bathroom. But then I'd think, oh, but I've got a five minute break in like six minutes. I'll just hold it. <laughs> I would do that with text messages. If I got a text or something or an email, um, when I was in the middle of the 25 minutes, I would say, that's what I'm going to do for f- my five minute break. I'll deal with that thing. And I thought that was a good use of it. Of like, it, I didn't get as distracted because I knew that that break was around the corner. I also felt like I loved seeing or loves the too strong a word. I also felt like 25 minutes was kind of the perfect amount of time because anytime you would check the timer, it just seemed like a very reasonable amount of time to stick to something like, oh, there's only 16 minutes left. I can I can do 16 minutes or like, oh, even like there's like 21 minutes left. That's not that many minutes. It made things feel very achievable. Why is love too strong a word, Lizzie? Is it obvious that I'm going to go elope with Pomodoros? I feel like it's pretty obvious. (laughs) It's okay. You can replace all your friendships with Pomodoros. It's fine. (laughs) That's like basically what happened last week. (laughs) And we've learned that that's not good. Okay, we're not doing that. It was was like self-elected to do that. But like, I should also mention disclaimer, and I guess this will come up a little bit with what inspired me this week. But I was pushing through because I'm going to spend like all of next week hanging out with my friend who's in town and like going to the beach and eating brunch. So there was like a there's a thing on the horizon for me to work towards that was kind of hanging over my head. And that helped as well. Did you end up using an analog timer? I used my phone timer for the first half of the challenge. And then actually, ironically, I was looking on Amazon for tomato timers, like to get a physical timer when I found apps for Alexa 
that were Pomodoro-based, like, Alexa tomato timers. And so I was like, oh, there's surely there's something for an iPhone for this. And I ended up finding, instead of buying an actual timer, I went back to digital and tried out one of the Pomodoro um, apps that was called, I think, it was, what was it called? I wrote it down. It was called Focus Keeper. And I used that where it would basically, like, it had a ticking sound, which I turned off because I didn't really like that. Um, and it just chimes at you without you having to set the timer. Like, it just chimes 25 minutes, chimes five minutes without... Like, you can open it and pause it, but it just kind of goes through them for you constantly. Sounds boring. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I think I also... I wanted to ask you if you tried doing any Pomodoros at work or anything, or did you just do them for when you were writing in your spare time? I was sorely tempted to try some at work, especially during my lunch break, because, like, 30 minutes seems totally reasonable an amount of time to spend doing my own thing during my lunch break. But Mm. I didn't because I think I'm just not in the right mindset at work to write and disconnect from what's going on around me. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I just tried using the Pomodoros just for reading things for work. Oh, I see. And I was just curious because um, Ben tried doing that as well to stay focused at his job where he tried doing the, he tried using Focus Keeper where it just automatically does the 25 minute, five minute timer. And he thought it was pretty useful, I think, but he still got too many emails where you had to like get pulled out of what you were doing. Um, Because apparently part of the Pomodoro technique also involves like staying on one task and not multitasking. So that was still kind of a difficult thing, but... I mean, my life is multitasking at work, so... I know exactly. (laughs) You can't, like, be unavailable for half an hour, sadly. But it's an interesting idea. Also of note is that Ben found an app called Flora Be Focused Together, which is a group work app. This feels related to buddy writing, uh, where everyone that you're working with or hanging out with downloads this app and you're all taking care of a tree together and the first person who looks at their phone kills the tree what (laughs) so it's like a mindfulness thing of of if you're trying to get everyone to be present and not look at their phones this app will figure out who was the first person to look at their phone and immediately kill the tree you're all supposed to be caring for that's horrible i know isn't it great (laughs) why (laughs) to keep you focused like you don't want to be the one that kills the tree and you have kind of like um a wall sort of thing a la facebook or line that displays how many trees you've killed that is I was really expecting this to be like a really nice app where you can like compare how many productivity sessions you've had or like foster friendly competition within your friend group. But instead, it's like, no, let's just kill things. Yeah, it punishes you with tree death to get you to work and be mindful. (laughs) I was going to say something earlier about like the toxic culture of productivity in the West, which bothers me a lot, actually. (laughs) We always hear about, like, the Protestant work culture in the United States and, like, how we've developed this, like, work-until-you-die mentality and, like, if you don't work and achieve stuff through work, then you're worthless. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes I feel like we kind of stray into that territory on the podcast because, like, we focus so much on productivity and, like, upping it and doing different things to hack it through, like, different advice. Mm -hmm. That's why next week we're going to do a completely non-productivity-related writing challenge. Which I think is good, honestly. Like, I want to foster just fun instead of just all productivity all the time. Oh, definitely. That's also why I wanted to make a point earlier about the fact that even though I edited, like, a huge portion of my book in a short period of time, I did not... I didn't want to glamorize, like, that I killed myself or something to do it. Like, I definitely just 
prioritized like exercise, sleep, and you know nutrients over social things, and that's like literally the thing I shifted around. Like I and I only did it for a short period of time. So anyway, I just want to put it out there that we are not trying to glamorize like killing yourself to do a lot of work when you need to rest. Yeah, and to skip ahead a little bit to things that I don't even want to use the phrase "held me back" to things that um, distracted from my writing this week. I had a friend staying over, and. That just means putting writing on the back burner for most of the days. And there's no problem with that. That's okay. I'll do more tomatoes later. Tomatoes will still be there tomorrow and the next day. It's so funny to use that terminology because I've had this like lifelong vendetta against tomatoes. Maybe this is just me, but four pomodoros as like a full set before you get your long break feels super demanding. Yeah, I agree. This could be because it wasn't like my main work. Like if you used it at your job then doing four Pomodoros might feel more reasonable because you're kind of sat down working all day anyway. But if writing is your sub work after you've been doing a full day of work, doing a set of four Pomodoros is really taxing. Yeah, I basically never did four in a row. Like, I usually had to take that long break earlier, personally. I didn't feel like it was worth it to... Like, it was too uncomfortable after doing about three of them to not have a longer break, I felt like. Yeah, so I started just doing, like, sets of two Pomodoros each, and, which I like to call the cherry tomato method. <laughs> Done. And you still get like a solid 50 minutes of writing and it feels more manageable in one sitting. So it's easier to start. And that sounds good. I did two Pomodoros last night and I definitely felt like the same way of like two is kind of perfect. If you've had a full day already, it's a good amount. Also, to talk more about my hatred of tomatoes, um, I overcame my hatred of tomatoes by eating cherry tomatoes. So it all comes back around in the end. Did you like cherry tomatoes or did you just eat them and they weren't like the most disgusting thing you had ever eaten? I just forced myself to eat them because they were the most inexpensive vegetable (laughs) option. Hey, that works. (laughs) You're like, cheapest nutrients for the cost. One other little thing that surprised me this week was that I was surprised that setting the timers in public was really weird. I felt like when I tried to go do it at a coffee shop and my phone would go off every 25 minutes, I felt like it was really disruptive to everyone around me, even though it wasn't a super quiet coffee shop. But I was wondering if you also felt like that was kind of strange, like setting timers in public places. So you're a right in silence person, so that might be why this is. But for me, I had my phone timer running and then I was also listening to music. And the way that my phone works is when the timer goes off, it just stops the music and like alerts you that the clock is run up. That was a lot less disruptive, I think, because then the thing that was alerting me was silence rather than like a sudden noise. So what, uh, what you didn't use the phrasing held you back. You said what prevented you from writing? What was it? I said disrupted writing. Uh, So what disrupted your writing this week? Beside my friend staying over, one other thing that I noticed was that I spent a lot less time doing passive brainstorming when I wasn't writing, but I have also gone back to my old social media habits prior to episode two, so it could be that that challenge is worth revisiting, maybe. Yeah, and just for our dear listeners, uh, when we get to the end of season one, we are going to do an episode about looking at what we actually kept doing after the writing challenges were over to see what actually ends up sticking or not. So hopefully we'll report back with some interesting results. Should be a good time. What held, or I don't want to keep using that phrase. What, what disrupted your writing habits this week? If anything, it sounds like nothing did. I mean, I do think I took on too much freelance work. um, And I definitely felt like my stress levels were climbing by the end of the week. But I do think that prioritizing that I was still getting exercise and still sleeping the full amount was definitely very helpful and not actually like killing myself. 
So in this week of beach time and silly challenge, do you have any goals? I have a few different small ones. Um, Like I should get back to querying some agents probably, but I'd also like to do some fresh uh, new writing just for fun without, you know, this enormous pressure on the writing being super good and ready to go out. Which is a great segue into next week's challenge. Woohoo! So for next week, we are going to be writing opposite genres. And we haven't entirely decided what that means yet. I was really excited when we added this to the brainstorm list because I think it has the potential to be very funny. So I guess for clarification, Lizzie, how would you define your general genre? Well, there are two genres I really like. Um, One of, well, both of them are young adult, I suppose. One of which is uh, dark fantasy. uh, And the other one of which is like funny contemporary. It's weird because I always feel like it's a weird thing because I really like those two genres. And to me, they feel kind of opposite where one is very serious and the other is really light and funny. And fantasy is generally, you know devoid of references to contemporary societies and pop culture versus writing contemporary, you get to have a lot more fun with the things you actually experience every day. So I'm like, what's the opposite of both of those? Yeah, it sounds like you already do the opposite thing. I mean, if I hated myself, I'd be like, I don't even want to tell you because I don't want you to suggest it like sports. Ugh, don't make me write a sports thing. Yeah, I feel like (laughs) things where we have zero knowledge, like, I don't even know where I'd start with that like sports okay let's see how let's start there like <laughs> like I guess I would I could write something about volleyball or swing dancing which is not exactly a sport or I don't know I did swim team like these are the only I don't know sports ball I could write about Calvin ball or something like a fake sport you could make up your own sport and write about it oh, it sounds so boring to me <laughs> well yeah we don't want it to be boring we want it to be the opposite genre but still like fun, ideally. I do think writing something that's hardcore adult would be different for me, like something that's actually like rated R. (gasps) That's my favorite thing. You should do it. (laughs) Okay. It's a really fun challenge too. Like I'll read it if you if you're embarrassed to show it to anybody else. (laughs) I might be. We'll see what happens. Uh, What about yourself? Because you like to write a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, right? Yes. And I was thinking about it and horror could be an option for me because I don't think a lot of my work tends to be very horrific. Like, I, I've heard comments from people that my writing is, like, very mild. <laughs> oh, no. Which, I don't take that as an insult necessarily. That's like, Murakami's writing is, like, mild, I would say. It's not a bad thing. Like, it's very, like, weirdly soothing to read parts of his work. Yeah. You know? And I don't know that I'm striving for that necessarily, but, you know, what comes out comes out. <laughs> So to do, like, the ultimate opposite genre for me, I think I might try, like, a horror story with a heterosexual romance. What a combo. That might be, like, the ultimate opposite of what I usually write. Oh my gosh, I just realized, too, that writing a short story, I literally, like, I just think in terms of, like, really long plotting. And this even happened to me um, in college doing my thesis film where I was like, what is writing a screenplay that's like 15 pages? How do you tell a story in 15 pages? So doing a short story would definitely be a challenge for me. Yeah. Microfiction. Go nuts. Ooh, can I just write some saucy tweets? That's my opposite genre. You can actually now that we're at 280, you know, go nuts. (laughs) I could just write a book. I mean, oops, a short story. Okay, so you're going to write something that involves horror and a romance that is heterosexual. You know what? Scratch it. I I can't promise that. I'll try horror. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) What's my opposite thing? Oh, to do something that's rated R 
but I don't know what genre exactly. Do you want to give sci-fi a try? Sure. Yeah. Sci-fi is fun. Anyone can write sci-fi. That's true. And it's like, I like to read sci-fi, but I don't think I've actually ever written any sci-fi. So why not? And then I won't be like suffering as much as if you make me write military fiction and or sports drama. I'm so excited to see what comes out. This is going to be so much fun. So to close it out, shall we do our weekly favorites? Yeah. What was your weekly favorite? My weekly favorite was, um, as you may know, my favorite band is Harvey Danger. They have this album that's not quite an album called Dead Sea Scrolls, which is a collection of their covers and unreleased demos and tracks that didn't make it onto any of their other albums. It just happened to make its way onto my music player this week, and I realized anew how much I love this band and how much it inspires me. So uh, both their last al- their last full album, Little by Little, and Dead Sea Scrolls are free for download on their website. And Little by Little is actually my favorite album of all time cannot recommend it highly enough and it's free so go download it please love harvey danger spoiler alert they disbanded they don't make music anymore so it's like watching firefly just go into it knowing that that's fair i would hope for music it's not quite as terrible to know that it's over it kind of is because all my favorite bands are disbanded now and i have no chance of ever seeing them live but it's okay it's fine it sure seems fine Uh, My weekly favorite was that, I mean, this was technically a book that I read for work, so I can't talk about it super much, uh, but it was called 100 Nasty Women of History, and it was just hilarious. It was totally written in, like, a really funny millennial voice by this BuzzFeed writer who's just really, really funny, and I learned so much about so many crazy ladies from history. It was super funny, and I, like, immediately was just, I don't know, it was so cool. Like, I was just like, this woman ruled this country, and, like, I didn't even know that, and just, it was... It was fantastic for just feeling like you can do anything when you read about these, like, really crazy ladies of history. So that was a big one. Shall we close it out? Uh, I think so. So if you want to catch up between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at at Lizzie and Hazel, and that's Lizzie with a Y. You can also reach us at carrotandstickpodcast at gmail.com or on our Tumblr at carrotandstickpodcast. Also, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps people find us in the vast sea of audio content that's out there. Also, don't forget to subscribe. That's how we know that you're like out there in the vast sea of audio listeners. Thank you to Slime Girls for letting us use their track You Belong off No Summer No Cry for our intro and outro music. You don't get to hear it in the podcast, but the second half of You Belong is actually this like screamed monologue that I really love. And you'll never get to hear it if you don't go and listen to the whole thing. So go do it. If the words screamed monologue don't make you go search for this, I don't know what's wrong with you. (laughs) We'll see you in episode six. Swap a cat, write some words. Swap a cat! I'm recording. I'm recording too. Oh, hey, this is my 30th WAV file recorded on this recording device. Nice. A WAV to remember. Yes, a WAV to remember.